Choir directors are creative, resourceful, dedicated, and sometimes completely out of ideas. Not to worry, the Choir Ninja Podcast is here with solutions you never saw coming. Get ready for some training, wisdom, and inspiration from the masters. Let Ryan Guth guide your journey to becoming the Choir Ninja. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Choir Ninja Podcast, and today I am bringing you a Choir Ninja Rewind, hopping back in the time machine from when the Choir Ninja Podcast was the Find Your Forte podcast to highlight an episode with a friend of mine, Adrian Rodriguez, who is a native of the Houston area. Uh, He went to the University of Houston. He taught in the Houston area for a while. And in light of recent events with Hurricane Harvey, uh, we decided to air the next couple episodes as a tribute to uh, those people affected in the Houston area in a series entitled Voices of Houston. So um, if I do make references to the Find Your Forte podcast, just know that that's what it was before it was Choir Ninja. So you're going to hear a little bit of a style difference because this is one of the earliest episodes that I ever did, but it was a really great, impactful episode, very inspiring episode, and uh, you know helps us come into grip with what we do every day and the impact that we make with our choirs. So... Uh, Just after our word from our sponsor, I hope you enjoy this episode with Adrian Rodriguez. Today's episode is brought to you by SightReadingFactory.com. Do you hate teaching sight singing? Do you have a carbon footprint the size of Sasquatch because you run off endless sheets of sight singing examples only to hear your students groan in agony when it's time to sight sing in rehearsal? SightReadingFactory.com is a web-based tool that will compose custom sight-reading examples based on specifications that you choose. Your choir will actually enjoy sight-singing, and so will you. Plus, you will get back hours of your life and finally feel like the choir ninja you were destined to be. If that isn't cool enough, you can add student accounts that link directly to your teacher dashboard so your kids can practice or even take recorded assessments from home. As a sponsor of this show, SightReadingFactory.com has an exclusive deal just for you, Choir Nation. When you purchase their insanely affordable one-year subscription, you will unlock 10 free student accounts just for using the promo code NINJA at checkout. That's Ninja, N-I-N-J-A. So head over to SightReadingFactory.com. That's SightReadingFactory.com. And don't forget to use the promo code Ninja at checkout to unlock your 10 student accounts absolutely free. What's the best part about being a ninja? The gear. It's the nunchucks, the katanas, the throwing stars. It's the same for choir ninjas. The difference between an ordinary and a masterful performance may come down to your most basic and essential piece of equipment, your music folder. My Music Folders creates a superior product, and they do it with a smile. And because they are friends of the podcast, they have a killer deal for you right now. Get the bulk purchase price break without having to buy in bulk. So whether you have to restock your entire classroom or you just need to replace a few folders, you will get the best possible pricing on the best possible product. 
So like a ninja, sneak on over to MyMusicFolders.com and use the code NINJA when you check out. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast. I am very thrilled to be bringing to you today a real live in the trenches choral director, music educator. His name is Adrian O. Rodriguez. Uh, He is one of many to come on this podcast. He's a member of Choir Nation. He's been listening to the podcast since the beginning. And he recently uh, got himself into Princeton, New Jersey, which is where I'm from. And uh, he's working on his master's degree at Westminster Choir College. Uh, But he did his bachelor's at University of Houston. And he teaches actually in Sugarland, Texas at Stephen F. Austin High School where he conducts five choirs, and he is the director of the musicals and also teaches AP Theory and honors music history. Uh, He is an active choral clinician. He's presented at TMEA and also the Texas Choral Directors Association uh, on empowering pedagogical practices, community and culture in school music programs, and also building choral sound. Uh, He's a member of ACDA. He's a member of NAFME. Uh, TMEA, uh, TCDA, and also a brother of FIMU Alpha Symphonia. Adrian is a really great guy. I know you're going to love this interview. Uh, I want to also make sure you know um, that we are going to be giving away his seminar slides um, that you're going to want. After you listen to the forte section of this interview, you're going to want his slides because you're going to want to implement it in your program come September. I'm going to you know, definitely make that available. So if you head on over to ryanguth.com forward slash 018, when you get to that page, just put your email address in and request access to those slides and I will make sure that you get them. Uh, he is somebody you're not going to hear the last of today. And um, I just really, really hope you enjoy this interview with Adrian O. Rodriguez. Adrian, Choir Nation is ready. They're at the edge of their chairs, folders open, and looking your way. Are you ready to deliver the downbeat? Yeah, let's do this. All right, awesome. The downbeat is the biographical segment of our program. And uh, I want to start with having you tell us about the moment when you knew you were going to dedicate your life to music. I'm glad you made me think about this question because it was something that I thought I knew the answer to, and then it just got really twisted. So I think I knew that I wanted to be in music in middle school with my choir director, um, Kelly Sedatal. She is an amazing woman. She just, I think, brought out the best in all of us. All when I I still have friends from middle school, and we just absolutely adore her. Um, And I fully believe that she's the reason that I went into teaching. Um, but when I got to high school, I think I sort of went into this like self doubt, like, is that something that I really want to do? I come from a a strong Hispanic background. My family is like very Hispanic, hold those values really dear. And I think that they wanted me to be like a lawyer or a doctor. I was in this accelerated, um, academic program where my friend's that I still have from that program are currently lawyers and doctors and doing all those sorts of things. And Mm -hmm. I kind of felt that that's what I should be doing. And so I think I, I followed that for a while. Um, and I almost quit choir 
in my, high school. Uh, yeah, after my sophomore year. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I think I'm going to concentrate on my swimming. It'll help me get a scholarship. Um, that And that's what I'm going to do. And my dad sort of gave me the permission, I think, to to dig in a little deeper. And he, he was like, why don't you audition for the Texas All-State Choir? I think you'll like it. I think you'll enjoy the competition. And I was like, fine, dad, whatever. Um, and so I did it and I absolutely loved the audition process. It was really, the music was really challenging. I love competition by nature. Um, so it was really awesome. And I, and I dug in a little bit deeper there. I, uh, got to meet Dr. Weber, um, who is the director of choral activities at the university of Houston is where I got my undergrad. So I ended up going there, um, because she encouraged me at that. She was our clinician. For, at the Allstate. Well, for for the at the region level. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so she was our clinician, and she gave me a um, her card. I was a soloist in her in that concert, and she gave me her card. She was like, "You should consider the University of Houston," and I felt like a rock star. Absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I was like, "Oh yeah, you want me to be a at your school?" And so that was really cool, and that sort of lit a fire. Um, so I did, and so I kept going with that for a while, and then. I was going to quit again after that year. I was like, you know what? Still not into it. That was fun, but not going to do that. I want to do this other thing. And then my swim coach left. Okay. And I was like, okay. So I quit. I ended up just quitting the swim team there and, and sticking with music. And I had this director at the time who, I mean, in hindsight, I w- would raise a few eyebrows at some things, mm-hmm. but he gave me the, my first opportunity to conduct a choir in a concert. It was part of, he created the student director position, student cool. conductor position, where we conducted one of the um, the audition pieces for the first round of the Texas Allstate process. Okay. And then, um, but my most memorable time in high school was um, conducting or getting to rehearse the chamber group that I was a part of after school. For some reason, he wasn't there. He was either in the office or didn't show up for rehearsal. Something happened. And we were prepping for a contest at the time, the Texas Magical Festival. And I got up there and was like, let's rehearse. And we rehearsed um, Il est Belle et Bon. Okay. Did, yeah. did you, wait, did you take it upon yourself yeah, to, I, to rehearse that? Yeah, I was like, we're going to do this. So he didn't give you the direction. Mm-mm. Oh, I, okay. I got, yeah, I got <laughs> awesome. up and was like, we're going to do this. And it was a blast. And I realized that it was my, like, being with that group of people, being with those friends in choir, having that community, mm-hmm. that that's where I wanted to be, um, was with was making music with people. That's a great, that's a great story. That is a great story. And I'm... Well, obviously, you're very thankful for your father giving you that little kick in the butt. Yeah, for sure. And then, well, it was different because then I told them that I wanted to be, I wanted to go to college for music. And they uh, were like, wait, what? Oh, and so, oh. you know, so mom and dad, if you're listening to this, it was dad's fault. Well, because I'm wondering, okay, because I was, I was thinking while you were telling the story, maybe did you feel like you would be disappointing your family if you didn't, if you went into music and you didn't pursue something like law or... Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, my uh, my family deeply values education. Okay. Like you don't make bad grades. You know, my mom always said she was like, if you were a B student, we would let you make Bs, but you're not a B student, right? Mm-hmm. So the the bar was always set really high academically, and that and I don't think that music was ever really considered part of as an academic subject, which I mean is a battle we fight all the time, sure. right? <laughs> um, 
And so, you know, I just sort of had this moment. My senior was like, I'm going to be a singer. I want to go to music school. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, what? (laughs) And my dad was like, well, okay. You know, because he sort of you know, encouraged me to In follow that. In the back that. of his mind, knew he might have had something to do with it. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, um, yeah, that's how it all worked out. Great. The rest is history. Mm-hmm. Tell us a story of when things didn't go as planned, like something that you lo- might look back on and consider a failure or something that is a real, was a teachable moment in your life. Sure. I think my biggest failure as a musician really happened when I got to college, right? So I had this whole journey of, do I want to be a musician? Then someone gave me permission and I went for it, you know? And, and so I finally get there and I, I sort of lost myself. I think I started doing, started acting on other people's wishes, trying to do things to impress other people, trying to find my place in a music school. My family, I, we knew nothing about music. My, my, no one in my family really pursued music, even as a hobby. It wasn't an option for them. They grew up really poor. Mm-hmm. They had to work and do things like that. They were athletes and educators, but no one was really a musician. Were they all, um, were they, were they, were you first generation college educated in no, your family? No, I'm not. Um, so my mom, my mom's side is, was very, um, like working class, like her dad would follow the, was a migrant worker would follow crops between Texas and Florida and do things like that. Very, very working class. Um, my dad's side of the family, almost everybody is a teacher or a principal or something like that. Okay. Um, and so that was when I went to college, I didn't want to be a teacher for that reason. My mom was a principal. My dad's family were all teachers. My dad's now a teacher. So, of course, being a rebellious, mm-hmm. you know, teenage boy, that's the last thing I wanted to do. Um, I, 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 feel you, I feel you, man. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, so I, and so I went in as a music education major, but with the, with the intent of really being a performer. And, um, and really got lost there. Okay. Um, I think, I think first of all, denying wanting to be an educator because of my family, not really considering what I don't think what I wanted to do or not Mm -hmm. really knowing. Um, and then really, was there ego at play too? Like I want to be a performer because that might be the most, the best looking career. You know, I don't think so. Okay. I, I I don't think that I just really enjoyed doing it for the people. Mm -hmm. I, was a naturally am a naturally gifted performer i think i connect well with an audience and mm-hmm. um and that was fun to get them to laugh at a recital you know right. th- you know things like that well Getting, a great teacher is a great performer too because they're performing in you know, so many ways eight hours a day right so 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 basically so some of the sort of failure moment would be sort of not choosing to see inside yourself what you really should be doing or i mean so so i mean i want to just to sort of sum it up you went to school for music ed but you were focusing on performance because that's what i thought that i wanted uh-huh. and and then i decided does that lead you into into taking certain classes or well luckily or? in your fir- in the first two years of, of the program at u of h they're very much the same okay it really doesn't start to change until mm-hmm. your junior and senior years when you have to sort of take other classes um and I, I think I just sort of developed this imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, at music school for the, you know, in that, in that first year, it's like, what am I doing here? There are some people who are so talented. All these people are 
you know, they absolutely love what they're doing, you know, and I, and I loved being on stage and I loved being in operas, but I hated being in a practice room by myself, you know? And so there were, there were things again, it sort of reaffirmed that I was in music to be with people. Mm -hmm. And so I made this switch, um, cognitively, I guess, you know, this, this personal decision, um, at the end of really my sophomore year, I think I Mm -hmm. switched. I was like, you know what? I'm really going to do this education thing. Um, you know, and I, I have Dr. Weber to thank for that. I mean, she is an incredible woman. She will never know how much she means to me in the, in the way that she really, with tough love, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. uh, with tough love, um, really helped me sort of begin to find an identity as a musician and as a, te- and a as a person. I mean, mm-hmm. and, what better gift? You have a very similar story to Amanda Quist's episode seven, um, in that she she went to study. I think she, she wanted to be a theorist, music theorist, and then was like, "What am I doing? I like people." Yeah, and, and you have ve- it's a very similar story. So, it was. I mean, that was the coolest part. So let's inquire nation. Go back to episode seven if you want to hear something similar yeah. from someone different. But keep going. Um, you know, she, and she really helped me, she really helped me find my own. I was always struggling with, even, even with her, um, to this hustle for validation. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was like, am I good, am I a good enough musician? You know, did I, am, am I on my game enough? Am I, am I dedicated enough? Um, you know, my, my first semester in music school, I was in her top ensemble, her top mix ensemble concert chorale that just today or whatever with the time difference just won their second international prize at a, you know, at a international choral competition. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, big deal. That first semester in, we were prepping for national ACDA. So to go from high school choir, right. you right to this like freaking world-class ensemble. Right. I was like, I mean, I still remember the first rehearsal and she says, okay, open up to the, you know, Hindemith, blah, blah, blah. And they were just like, boom, right there, singing, uh-huh. reading. And I was like, holy crap. What I, I just was, I, Exactly. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Um, and so I swear to God, I'm responsible for every gray hair on her head. But, <laughs> you know, but I love that woman. Well, so yeah. you, and you said imposter syndrome, which is something yeah. that has, has come up several times in the podcast. And we did motiv- a Motivation Monday about, around, around imposter syndrome uh, about month and a half or two months ago. And um, the the concept of imposter syndrome seems to creep up when right maybe you got rewarded too quickly and you maybe you think you got rewarded too quickly or your talents, maybe your talents got you to this point of being in this chamber ensemble so early on and you're thinking, wow, maybe I don't deserve I don't deserve this. That is 100% accurate. Right. I was like, I, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. I do not belong here. I, I mean, there was, yourself and the whole deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, part of it was like, this is a dream, you know, like this is freaking awesome and terrifying, you mm-hmm. know, just to be part, just to be part of that. And I think that I'm a, a like, I'm an extremely strong musician for it, mm-hmm. for having been, to been you know, the privilege of being a part of that ensemble. But in those first two years when I was, I mean, just accepting that I could pursue music as a profession, Mm -hmm. you know, with not having to deal with 
approval of parents or what I thought, you know, there was right. just a lot, there was just a lot at play right, right there. Um, and I think that that was probably the hardest, that was probably one of the lowest points in my musicianship. Remember how you got over it? Just, I think part, part of it, part, yeah, I mean, I mean, fr- I mean, yeah, I clawed my way out, I uh-huh. think. Um, there were several moments of, of like, wow, I can do this, right? Um, when Dr. Weber, my, my um, last year at the University of Houston, um, for two semesters, appointed me to conduct a chamber ensemble mm-hmm. of undergraduates. And it was incredible. And again, I, I realized there that I loved what I loved most about being a musician was being able to share that time with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was not, it was, and even now it's not, this is me, the director, and you're going to do what I say. It was very collaborative and being part of that team and building that community and trying to um, elevate the reputation of the ensemble um, on the, on the really, on really on their terms, not really mine. Um and and so I'm very grateful for those people. Were you were you aware of that dynamic then? Because that's a very sophisticated way of thinking as a you know early twenty something. You know, I, getting your ego out of the way and being like, it's this is us. It's about us, and I'm enjoying collaborating with you. Because I could just imagine being hurled into a situation where you're directing a chamber group of of peers, like sure. peers. Right. That's hard, first of Absolutely. all. Absolutely. So you got to like put that like I'm in charge hat on. Mm-hmm. But you also have to, and I think we're probably going to delve into this a little bit in your forte section, mm-hmm. but um, there's something about, it maybe, maybe you're, 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 you're a special guy, Adrian. And I, and I think, I think that um, being able to go into that situation with uh, just knowing that, um, that like, why I'm here. We're here to, to collaborate and be here together. I don't know. Um, I feel like we're going to head into this a little bit in the, in the forte section, but, um, I'm super, super impressed with the fact that you were able to have that clear of a head going into that kind of situation. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was an athlete before. I mean, I was like, I mean, I've been playing soccer since I could Mm -hmm. pretty much walk. Um, and it was never about you. It, there's no way you there's you could never do it on your own. Right. There's no way you could win the game, you know, as a swimmer there. Yeah, you could win your race, but it was to win the team points. Mm-hmm. You know, it was never about you. Um, and I think going into that situation of, of conducting peers, it was a volunteer ensemble. People could drop at any moment and just be like, I'm too busy. Right. Or, you know, or I really don't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they could just be done. Right. Just like that. And I, and I, and I was very aware of that. Um, because the numbers had sort of, it it started as a student. It was a student's brainchild. I want to have this ensemble. And then Dr. Weber sort of took it under her wing and just made sure that it did fine. You know, she was, you know, she was there for, um, for counsel, but very, very much student run. Okay. Um, and having that dynamic knowing that they could just be done at any moment just made me sure made me make sure that they were invested in some way that they were really getting something out of it that they felt it was worth their time um and that's where my education it almost it almost parallels what the members of choir nation who work in churches deal with 
because there's that that sort of volunteer feeling. Because you know, I mean, it, it you know we the mo the first you know seventeen sessions of of this podcast have largely dealt with college conductors, you know, mm-hmm. university conductors, professional conductors that deal with people who are receiving a grade to be in their class to their or their choir or their their college education sort of is dependent their reputation with that particular person is dependent on how they how they perform in their choir. So so, you know, when a you know, uh when an Amanda Quist gets up in front of her of her choir, those kids need to perform at a certain level because and they don't have a choice whether they need to be there or not. Um, and these kids obviously did, and I feel like there's a way, and I don't want to spoil too much of the further down the road of this interview, but I feel like there's a way to handle that. Absolutely. And, um, and it's a different way to handle, um, you know, a different volunteer situation than, than an academic situation. And I think the, you know, just, just to go back to the last couple episodes, episodes 16 and 17, the two part series with Gabriel Crouch of Princeton University, um, his, his Princeton Glee Club, which I think is the only Ivy League Glee Club with men and women, um, is a completely volunteer club. Mm-hmm. It is, it is not an academic class at all. Um, so I'm sure there's some, some very similar techniques that need to be used in a situation like that, uh, as well. So, um, just because I don't want to run long on time, um, let's get to your proudest musical moment to date or the moment that you felt like, yeah, you know what? I'm doing the right thing. That was a hard, that was also like a difficult question because I don't like to use that, I don't like to use that word about me. I'm very bad about giving myself credit. That's not something, and I think it stems back to that imposter, Mm -hmm. even still, right? Um, But I think... You can humble brag. my, My proudest moment was when I decided to be the teacher's, the teacher that my students needed instead of the teacher that I thought I was supposed to be. Ooh. And that was, that came very quickly in my first year of teaching. I got this job, an amazing job for me, you know, not, and not everyone's dream job, but definitely mine. Mm-hmm. Um, at a, at a, <clears throat> at a school outside of Houston that was struggling in many, many areas, um, with kids who were dealing with things that I hope almost, I hope that no one has to ever deal with. Um, and you know, and I walk in freshly graduated to this program, you know, I'm, I'm going to rebuild this program. That's what I've been charged to do. And, yep. and I know exactly how I'm going to do it. Dude, I watch and, dangerous minds. I know how yeah, this works. Right? Right? I mean, I was like, I was like, I, you know, I'm a great, I was a great student. I've learned a lot and I, you know, and I'm great at rehearsal technique and blah, 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 blah. And I love this hoity toity choral music. And those kids could care less. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, they didn't care that I had, you know, flown across the ocean to go compete in Wales, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the choir of the world. They don't care. They do not care. They don't care about Bach. They don't care about Brahms. They don't care. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I fought that for a long time because, you know, like I'm going to go by this textbook and I'm going to yep. go by what, what I've been taught. And I'm going to do things this way because this is the way that works. Wrong. And, you know, and I <laughs> really, really wrong. That was, and I, I got hit with a lot of resistance right away, right, right off the bat. And then I eventually just sort of like put my hands up and was like, okay, what 
do you want to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Why are you here? Did you have right? this conversation? Oh, openly. And I okay. do every year now. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. And it is, I mean, it is one of my teachers need to be doing this sort of okay. thing. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and I said, okay, I said, okay, we're, I'm, I will try. Mm-hmm. I will. I mean, things like I had to learn how to riff. I don't know how to, ri- I mean, I don't know how to riff. Are you kidding me? I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know how to sing pop music. Like Beyonce. Like, like Beyonce. Oh, okay. I, w- I mean, I, I, I went and learned these things. I learned to sing pop music. I learned to riff. Mm-hmm. I learned how to beatbox things, you know, things you can do at red lights. You know, <laughs> I mean, your life, I mean, you could waste your life at red lights or you could do these stupid things like I did because that's what was important to them. Right. And. And so I did and I learned and and I think to me in my career that was the biggest light bulb for mm-hmm. me. I was like now I am relevant. You know? That's great. That's great. And it didn't have to be so there was it was a moment um but it wasn't necessarily a musical moment. It was a self-realization and Well, everything came from there. And then things started to happen. You know, that that was the first domino. You know, and then we were scoring well at contest and then we were, you know, gaining a reputation in the community. And then I got, you know, I, I got offered a job at, in another district at a bigger school, you know, with a nice program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the dominoes started falling from there. Uh-huh. But I think that that in my musicianship was the moment where I was like, OK, just sort of beginning to teach. And was it was it far out of your comfort zone? to do that or or did you just felt or did you feel like like I, I i finally opened up and allowed these kids in and not, and they allowed me in like did you show this vulnerability through this conversation that you had with with the with the choir like what do you need from me is that the first time you sort of like broke the wall down and that was in front of oh, you oh absolutely you know i and i told i mean i said this and i meant it um you know i Walked in and was like, I adopted you all before the ink dried on my contract. I was like, I am here for you. Mm-hmm. I have always, always, always believed that education is a life of service. Right. Um, I didn't necessarily know what that meant, but I knew that I believed that. Right. Okay. You know, as when I started teaching, I don't, I mean, what do you really know when you graduate? Mm-hmm. I'm almost done with my master's degree and I feel like I'm just confused on a higher level. You know, <laughs> Charles. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way to Char- put it. Yeah. Charles, Br- Charles Bruffy said that to me once and i was like that is exactly how i feel all the time confused on a higher level confused on a higher level um and uh, you know and and so i said that but you know i told them i was like this is how but this is how we're gonna do it this is how i'm gonna serve you know Mm -hmm. and so that was not the right way to go about it Mm -hmm. because then i got i mean because then they they dug in their heels and they were like no way you know, and some, I mean, it wasn't everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people were like, cool, ready for change. Right. Some people were like, nope. Um, and so I eventually was like, listen, I was like, I am at the, I don't know what to do anymore. Right. And I put down all the armor, you know, cause then I bucked up too, mm-hmm. of course. Right. Because then I had to, I had to feel like I had to prove that I knew what I was talking about. Right. And that I deserved this job, mm-hmm. you know, and that I, and, and I, I can teach you something. I've learned more from my students than I have ever taught them. That's beautiful. I That's mean, wonderful. But, th- but it requires that laying everything down, yeah. you know, laying down the arms and saying, put hands up in the air, you know, and said, listen, I now don't, I was like, I have done everything that I know. 
what now what can we do imagine i'm going to challenge every struggling choir director teacher listener choir nation member to if they get stuck this year this coming year Mm -hmm. sit down and have an open conversation with your students. Okay, I st- now I start every year. Every year I start this way now. Mm-hmm. I don't even let ourselves get stuck. Okay. I mean, we can revisit. We can revisit. But I think that this, I mean, it's just part of building culture, right. which is what I love about Well, it. then they have ownership, too. Well, that, yeah. Okay, well, now we're going to get to Forte. Okay, all right, hang on. So yeah. we're going to move forward. We're going to move forward. Okay, so um, Adrian's uh, Adrian recently... Uh, presented at TMEA, Texas Mm -hmm. Music Educators, a session called From Passion to Action, Building Empowered Music Programs. So that is what his forte is, and sounds like we're we're crossing into it, so this is probably a good time to move over to the the forte section. So um, tell us a little bit about what this session was about, and then we'll sort of maybe we can pull what we were just talking about back in. Sure. So the impetus for the... even applying for this um, for this session was what it, what I sort of had to examine. I was like, what are some of the big like umbrella problems that we are struggling with as an edu- as a, as a profession mm-hmm. as educators, right? And in general, as educators, not music educators. Or, or, well, I would I would say in general. This, okay. but you know, this particular problem, I would say in general. Okay. And I would say that the current state of education really disconnects us from what we love about teaching. Okay, I would right? agree. Whether, you know, and so, for example, the first thing that comes to mind, as blessed as we are in Texas with many, many great things, you know, the competition culture, the Texas UIL contest, I mean, people get up in arms about that. Mm-hmm. People's, ent- I mean, people will stress the entire year about one day, one contest, because in some districts, that's your job. You know, on one if day. If you don't do well. If you don't do well at contest, you know, and some, it may not be a one-time thing or consistently, they will reassign you in some districts. Wow. I mean, it's just the way that things, there's a standard, right? And it's one of... Like, it's great that they care that much. Right. But it's also, it's also not what music's about. <laughs> well, right. For everybody, maybe some people, sure. Yeah. Right. But... I, you know, but that's just one example, you uh-huh. know, but like the English teacher who's trying, who's having to teach to the standardized test, right? The math teacher, the science teacher who, that is not why they got into science. Oh my God. I cannot wait to teach the content for the standardized test. Right. Woo. Like that is not why they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- th- this is one of the things that I, that I brought up. I was like, it, it really, the unhappiness that we have as teachers or that they have as students is that there is a disconnect between what is happening in the classroom and what I, the teacher, or they, the students, love about music. Mm-hmm. And in order to get back to, to program cultures where everybody is invested, we need to figure out what is worth investing in. And that's different for every person. It's different for every teacher. It's different for every student. You don't know, so ask. Mm-hmm. So is the basis the basis for... Your talk, is it, does it stem from is the is is it stem from this conversation? Like like is that's where you start? Is that step one? Is this conversation? Yeah, I mean that, and that's yes. Okay, so give me some examples of of questions that you would ask in in the, in, the, in this conversation. You know, give me give me your spiel. Sure. I am, I am sitting here. I am a student 
in your class on the first day of school, let's just say this is a new school or a new class you've not seen before, what kind of, give me the idea of what that conversation is like. So we start, we welcome, hi everybody, I'm your teacher, Mr. Rodriguez, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are four columns on the board. And it says, you, Texas, the principal, me. Four columns. You mean them. You, the students. Me, right. meaning the teacher. Me, the teacher. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so it's on there and we start talking, we get to know each other. And I have to feel out the the um, the room just to see, are they going to be very open and, and talking? Or are they kind of shy and quiet? Because that will depend on how we answer the question. But I the, love this already. The, the essential question is... What do you want to get out of this? Okay. Why are you here? You signed up for this. Okay. What, you know, what do you want to learn? Do you have no idea? Do you, you know, what things do you love about me? I, you just throw out all these things. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Um, do you want to be a better singer? Do you want to sing a specific style? So these are goals. You, these are, I mean, just why are you here? It okay. could be goals. It could be goals. Okay. Um, it could be, you know, inner passions. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I like, okay, so it's yeah. why. It's the big why. Okay. Why are you here? Gotcha. Reminds me of Simon yeah. Sinek's Start With Why. Oh, which is we'll a really get there. I'm going to talk about that book. Perfect. Yeah, okay. I'm going to talk about that book because and, and, and how, it, how it relates to building programs. And Choir Nation, that will be in the show notes. There will be a link for you to purchase uh, Start With Why it's by a, Simon Sinek. It's a great book. In Adrian's show notes. And um, so, we, so we start there. Why you're here, what do you want to learn? Mm-hmm. And it could be a verbal conversation. It could be a walk up on the board and write it. It could be everyone turning a piece of paper. And we'll have this conversation tomorrow if mm-hmm. they're particularly shy about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, but whatever it is, everything goes on the board in that column. And I say, this is great. Thank you so much for sharing. Please know that my number one goal is try to check off as many of these as possible. But let me tell you what's going on. Texas says that I need to do this, 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 and this, and this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The principal would really love it if I did this, 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 and this. Now you're filling this in. As, uh-huh. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm like writing it out. Okay. And so we talk about standards. We talk about UIL. We talk about community performances. We talk about everything. Just okay. the expectations. Here are your expectations of me. Mm-hmm. Here are the state's standards and their expectations of me. Mm-hmm. Here's the principal and the school district and their expectations of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and then here are the things that I would really think that you would benefit from learning from. Right. You know, and so these are the, the, like the few things that I think are kind of important. Right. And so, and so we acknowledge that the majority of my focus for that year will be checking off the column, their column. Right. But I have to do other stuff that they may not like. And so they just have to eat their spinach, you know? And so, and this is like, you are building such a trust relationship on day one, day one, you know, and I am here for you. I am doing everything I can for you. I have to keep my job, right? And uh-huh. I have, you know, and I and I and I, I mean, I'm here to help you grow in ways that maybe you didn't know that you could grow. Mm-hmm. But it has to stem from what you love, right? Right. Right. So, for example, these girls and I'm, that I'm thinking of right now um, at my first school wanted to riff. They wanted to learn how to riff. Lord help me. I don't know how to riff, right? And so I go to Natalie Weiss's Breaking Down the Riffs. Oh my God, yes. Freaking love them. They're awesome. I have listened. They're amazing. I can't say that I can do it, but I've listened. I have learned. I'm not going to do it right now, but I have learned. I'm going to pop that up on the show notes too. Because there there are some, she gets it. Phenomenal. I mean, and and, and she's a great musician. She talks Uh about intonation. She talks about placement. I mean, I mean, she's just, the way that she breaks it down. I teach melismas in a lot of ways that she teaches riffs now. Um, and she so, like numbers things. She number? Some, yeah, she numbers some of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. 
No, it's cool. Natalie Weiss, good stuff on YouTube. Yeah, in the show notes. Um, in the show notes, <laughs> ryangoop.com forward slash zero one eight. You know, and I use that. And so we did Purcell Sound the Trumpet with these little uh, melismatic sections. And I said, you want to learn how to riff? This is how they were riffing back, you know, in the Baroque era. Right. And so this is where it started. You think Beyonce invented riffing? No. Right. And so, and and then all of a sudden they're She hooked. ain't Baroque. Yeah. Right. No. Oh. Mm, I okay, see what sorry. you did there. Right, I see what you did there. Thank you. Um. You know, but but then but then they're they're invested in sound the trumpet, which I is one of my favorite pieces in general. But maybe not to them initially mm-hmm. from this school that could care less what I was bringing to the table when right. I started, right? Um, so that's that's the conversation, really. So you got four columns: you, Texas, the principal, me. Mm-hmm. You've you've already you've opened up you've opened up this conversation on day one. You're letting him brain dump onto their first column, mm-hmm. and you're giving them the hard facts on the second two columns, right? And then you're building that trust with, you know, I really think you would benefit from these these things. I think every teacher should do that. It's just a great conversation to have, yeah. You know, and it, and it, but it re- what is really important is that it comes from that really authentic place mm-hmm. that that is what you're really invested in. Mm-hmm. Don't say that and do that and then not follow through because those kids will see right through you yep. and you will have lost everything. And then you go back. It's fun. I, I I feel like when you would go back, let's say the principal walks in the room, and because I had a principal that would always interrupt my class, um, but the principal walks in the room and and says. You know, we're going to have you guys perform at the such and such thing. And it's not anything that you wanted. We always had the board of education meeting, had to perform at the board of ed meeting. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to be there at seven. I got to get permission slips. Oh, this is going to be terrible. Right. And but I always knew with the kids and I didn't do the four columns, but I but like I could look at the kids after the principal left. I could look at the kids in the eye and go, you know, I know we have to, you know, we have to do this Mm -hmm. and it's got to be great. And it's just something we got to do. And I feel like in this situation, you can look at that chart and go, Board of Ed, that's a principal expectation. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, we get it. Like, yeah. and, 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 you they, don't, and they wouldn't be pissing and moaning about it because... It was clear from day one. Right. It was up front. It was clear from day one. And you have this little, like, this little secret between the two of you that, mm-hmm. like, this is just our job. This is I know you know as professionals as as singers mm-hmm. these are the things that we got to do. I said what the, one of the things I say is like this is spinach, and you just got to eat your spinach. Love it. We just have to. It's what I mean. I might name this episode "Eat Your Spinach." <laughs> it might be. It might be. You know. <laughs> um, and and so that's re- that's really the first step in creating this safe space for those uh-huh. kids, and that's and and. The rest of building culture, I believe, happens in creating that space where you can allow those kids to to be authentically themselves and help them grow as much as possible. Give them the room to grow. Mm-hmm. You cannot force them to grow. That's mm-hmm. impossible. It's impossible. You can only create the environment in which they can explore who they are as people and musicians. And you have to be okay with the fact that you may not like what that is mm-hmm. because you don't know what they're dealing with, Absolutely. right? I mean- I get in my first school, I had to add incarceration to excused performances, you know, for reasons to be excused from a performance, you know, things that I just didn't, you don't even, you do not know, Mm -hmm. do not assume. Yep. Right. I mean, we hear that forever, but you don't know. 
And so creating a safe space like that, and that's hard in, in, um, in music classrooms Mm -hmm. because uh, your role as the director is to critique. Right. That's true. But how do you keep it positive? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, one of the things that I say right from the beginning, the first day, um, and I and I tell this to the parents at the parent meeting Mm -hmm. is I have a strict, very firm, no credit, no blame policy. Right. Um, I take no credit for what happens on stage. If it is beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and and I tr- and we, you know I turn around from the concert and mm-hmm. the audience is on their feet and applauding. That was not me. They are applauding for those students. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're my student, they're applauding for you. Mm-hmm. You did that, mm-hmm. right? But if we walk off stage and everyone's like whispering to their neighbor, right? Right? They're not whispering about me. They're not, you know, th- just like they weren't clapping for me. Mm-hmm. They're not whispering about me either. And so, what are you gonna do? what are you going to do? And you have to be okay. And so what are you going to do today? Right. Right. And, and you, and if your best do your best for today, Mm -hmm. you know, if that means if you just broke up with your boyfriend and that means you're in shambles and the most you can do is stand up and hold your music. If that was the best that you could do today, we will take it. Mm -hmm. Right. We'll take it. And that has to be okay. Right. I mean, and, and I, you know, there are some directors where that is not okay. Right. But you know, being able to learn to work past that, you know, sure. Building that resilience. Absolutely. But do the best that you can that day. Right. Well, and it's like, and it's when you give them that responsibility mm-hmm. to make those choices, to, to do their, to do their best. Like you said, the example with the, the breakup thing, right? you know, and you, and you, and you tell them ahead of time that you give, you know, give us the best you have today. They're probably not going to take advantage of it. Like you're not going to get the girl necessarily who comes in and slacks off because she can. Right. She's going to do it. She's probably, you know, I'm sure there's some people who take advantage of the sure. a little bit. But I think in the, you know, you're just, you're, this is all about trust. It's right. It's all about trust. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, it's like, it's like my dog walks better off leash than on leash. She pulls me when, when she's on leash. And when, mm-hmm. she, when, when she's off leash, she walks right next to me. Right. It's the same, you know, it's a what very a similar analogy. idea when you give them, when you give them ownership and, and you know. I want you to control yourself. I want you to. I mm-hmm. want you to, to be responsible for your education, right? For your what was what was the, the, the terms you used? Ownership, um, the no blame. No, what did you? What did no you, credit, no blame. No credit, no blame. No credit for the good things. No blame for the bad things. You know, I, because we have very. And, oh, this is another thing. Um, we have very separate jobs. Our classroom is not fifty fifty. It is not. Mm-hmm. You have a job, and I have a job, and I will do my job a hundred percent. I will do the best that I can every day, knowing that I struggle too. Right. Right. I mean, I struggle with a lot of things. Absolutely. You know, and, and I'm very, I'm very open about those, right? We have a hashtag in my choir, hashtag struggle better (laughs) because we all struggle. Struggling is inevitable. Yes. We just have to learn in life how to struggle better. And so we, we talk about that. Your job is this, this is to show up on time with your stuff and sing and learn it the best that you can and sing to the best of your ability. My job is to prep the curriculum and copy the music and teach it, you know, and, and, and help you gain the tools to teach yourself. You know, those mm-hmm. things, those are, that's my, th- those are my job. Right. But that we don't share those. Right. Right. We come together to create this beautiful product and that's what makes music making so awesome mm-hmm. because when it's, it's, you know, the, the synergy is what makes it the magical process. But 
you own your own your half of the deal. Right. And I will and I will and I promise I will own my half. And I mean those and I give the conversation just like that. I love it. I'm, Adrian, we're yeah. gonna have to get you back for a second episode down in the future because yeah. there's obviously there's so much more in there. I can just see I mean, Adrian and I are like both sitting in my office right now talking because Adrian is on campus at Westminster mm-hmm. for for the summer and I could just see him just like bubbling with excitement <laughs> talking about this. But uh, for the sake of time, I want to make sure that we do move on. But I, I, we're, we have not heard the last of Adrian Rodriguez. I know. So choir nation, <laughs> if you're interested in hearing more, oh, please let me know and, and we'll get him back on the show and maybe get him to write some stuff for, for our blog or whatever. Um, all right, listen, the, the Accelerando round, the Accelerando round is rapid fire questions. It is short answers. Not much uh, uh, explanation. Okay. 30 seconds to a minute each. Okay. Cut me off. Okay. Ten or, or I might cut yeah. you off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So if you were to sum up your life in a paint color sample, like you got at Home Depot, what would the name of that paint be and why? Did I tell you that I, that I used to do this? No. I used to take the paint samples from Home Depot and rename them. Shut up. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> That's so, really funny. But now I don't but I don't know what I would name my my own life color. Well, what color would it be? It would mm. be in a shade of what? Green. Green. Okay. Mm-hmm. Name it. Mmm. It could be anything. It could be. I, that's the hard part. It could be anything. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Pick um, it would be green, and it would be. Well, Jesus, I don't know. It would not be well. Je- it could be well, Jesus. I don't know. Green. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus rose in the spring. Um, um, I don't know. Yeah, so the reason I chose green was because of the spring. I feel like I'm. It's constantly new life, new life, okay. new life, new green. It's green. It's green. It's Jesus was arose in the spring <laughs> green. green. I love it. Great. All those hyphens. I think it's great. <laughs> That's a lot of hyphens. That is a lot of hyphens. But we'll be talking to uh, Home Depot about about this particular oh color. Gosh. Yeah. This will be part of the Find Your Forte paint color series. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What project are you most excited about right now? Ooh, I'm at a new school. Um, I just, As of September? I ju- oh, no, I just finished my first year. Okay. Um, and so I never really count the first year because it's not, it's not really mine. Okay. Right. Never. The, it, and it is never completely mine either. Right. But I always told them, you know, in the first year I said, thank you so much for adopting me. You had a choice at the beginning of the year. You could have exiled me or you could have welcomed me into the fold and you did the latter and I could not be more grateful. Right. Um, but now, you know, I feel like we're all on the same page. Great. Right. So that's my next big project is building the program that those kids want. Right. We're starting a singer songwriter club. We're starting wow. a musical theater class. You know, I have kids that like they, they want to be commercial musicians, right. you know, pop pop artists. Sure. And who doesn't these days? And I'll learn how to, you know, I'll start making connections and figure out what that world is like. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for your younger self? Oh, my gosh. My younger self. I'm already young. Um, I 
You're so full of wisdom already. My younger self. What did I not? Oh, lay your ego down. It's not about you. Perfect. In your opinion, what do you believe makes an outstanding educator? Hmm. A lot of things. A lot of things. I think a a commit a commitment to to being relevant to your students, to creating an, an education that is meaningful to them mm-hmm. on on what they value that that shared value system. I think that's what that's like the the main piece. Are you are you giving them an education that they value? Walk us through your morning routine on um, a good day. On a day, I that- was like when I get up on time or yeah. when I'm running. So I have three alarms that go off at okay. five, five fifteen, and five thirty. Okay, and when they pop up on my screen, they say "you is kind." The second one says "you is smart," and the third one says, in all caps, "you was gonna be late." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and they're different. One of the, you know the is first there an app for this. I, oh no! And you're, oh, I have an Adrian iPhone. Rodriguez. I have an you iPhone. Gonna be late app, and you can you can name your alarms like uh-huh. nap alarm or blah 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 alarm. Uh-huh. And so I just that's what they say. And so the first the first ones are like do 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 like these really gentle and the the, the last one is like eh, eh, eh. it's like <laughs> get up now um <laughs> my morning routine is um well in te- in Texas we drive everywhere like a 30 minute drive is normal right um and as, so as is here in New Jersey right oh right okay so I didn't know that thanks for clearing up my ignorance we're, we're pretty um, uh densely populated here yeah yeah um so I wake up in the morning I feeling g- like P Diddy only only on Saturdays okay um and I will I will um I go set a pot of um water to boil because I'll make oatmeal in the okay. morning um, and then I'll go and brush my teeth and then it's usually ready and then I'll st- I'll put it in there and I get dressed and I really I guess my day really starts when I get in the car to go to work that's why I brought it up mm-hmm. because that's my like what am I gonna do today you mm-hmm. know I wake up at, I I roll out of bed and I say it's a great day to be alive it's just I, something that sometimes you just have to remind yourself so do you start the day with gratitude I try I try have, you know, that's what makes every day a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love the whole thing. Uh, what, uh, is your most favorite concert that you've ever attended as an audience member? Yes. As an audience member. There are so many, which one is my favorite? You're going to have to pick one. I know. How about most recent, like, great concert that you've attended? Hmm. Okay, I don't remember when the the National ACDA Conference was in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I guess that wasn't like this 20, year. 13? 13, or, yeah, 2013, I believe. In 2013. Whenever, whatever one was mm-hmm. there. Um, the Parker Elementary Children's Chorus. Okay. They just gave the most authentic musical performance. Parker Elementary. And where are they from? They're from Houston. From Houston, okay. Yeah, actually. And they it is it was just to be able to see music making at its purest. 
I mean, it was just, they were there and they just did what they did. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, these kids were playing trumpets and oh my God, it was just the most magical thing. Cool. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite personal growth or music book? Ooh, my favorite personal growth book Mm -hmm. is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Okay. If you do not know who Brene Brown is, go YouTube her and watch her TED Talks. They're incredible. And um, should that be it? Is it should it be shorter? Yeah. Okay. Good. That go go watch it. Talk about learning how to be your. Say it again. The gifts of imperfection. The gifts of imperfection Mm -hmm. by Brene Brown. By Brene Brown. I live my life by that book. Okay. Well, we'll put up a link in the show notes. If Mm -hmm. you want to support, find your forte, then buy the book from that link mm-hmm. at ryanguth.com forward slash zero one eight. All right, here is the uh, the big one. If you had only one concert left in your lifetime, a choir with limitless ability mm-hmm. and access to a sold out concert venue of your choosing, where would your final concert be and what would be the last piece in that program? Where would the venue be? That's a hard one. Yeah, I know. It would be in the somewhere, I don't know. It would be somewhere in the community of that choir, wherever that choir is from. Okay. You know, so if it was from a suburb of Brooklyn, we would have it in Brooklyn because okay. that's their home. Okay. And that's where they could, whatever. That's that. What would the last song be? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, I would let them choose. I would, you know, we would totally. I don't, that's. What would you choose? What would if, I choose? If we if were was, on the fourth column and it was the me, and it was the me column, and, and you had, to, and you were oh, like, you would benefit sure. from, from this. You would benefit from this. This be a mixed choir. Would it be? Would it be? It'd be high school students? Pro- probably. Okay. Yeah, it'd probably be mixed choir. Okay, we got Bro- it, we got I, Brooklyn high school students. It would really be. I mean, I mean, it would be whoever who wants uh-huh. to show up and sing. Who really wants to share this time? Who wants to build this together? Okay, let's do it. Okay, whatever your ability level. And that last piece would be. And that last piece would be. They're gonna sing it beautifully. Is there one that's near and dear to your heart? You know, I have always loved Amazing Grace. I'm not particularly religious, Mm -hmm. but I do believe in... I mean, Jesus, you have have a paint chip named after (laughs) Jesus. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, um, that is not to be offensive, Choir Nation. Yeah, just, no. I just think that that's yeah. kind of kind you know, of funny. I, I, you know, I'm a Unitarian Universalist. You know, I'm just, but I, I, there's something about the idea of this universal grace mm-hmm. that somehow moves in and out of our lives and brings us things and takes things. Mm-hmm. Um, so amazing grace, amazing grace in the of, in the home of of the people in the home of the people. Yeah, when you make it sound like that. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen, give the listeners some parting words of encouragement and then leave us with the best way we can connect with you moving forward. Maybe hmm. it's online somehow. 
or Facebook, email. Words of encouragement. We are struggle better. We all struggle. Find the tools that work for you to jump those hurdles. But you're going to struggle, so might as well do it better. Great. Um, and you can contact me. You can find me on Facebook, Adrian O. Rodriguez. Probably some ridiculous selfie. Oh, he's not Irish. It's Adrian O. <laughs> period. Rodriguez. Oh, that's it. Or you can get me on my email, Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N dot Omar, O-M-A-R dot Rodriguez with a G and a Z at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, thank you, Adrian. Yeah, thanks. I know that Choir Nation is even more ready to step up to their podium with purpose after today's interview. So thank you so much for being my guest today on Find Your Forte. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, ninjas, thank you for joining me for this episode, a special Voices of Houston tribute featuring Adrian Rodriguez. Of course, you can find the show notes for this episode at choir.ninja forward slash 129 for episode 129. And uh, of course, support our sponsors, mymusicfolders.com. Make sure that you mention the promo code NINJA if you reach out to them personally for your your order of music folders. And of course, sightreadingfactory.com. You sign up with the promo code NINJA there as well. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash choir ninja. Um, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash choir ninja if you'd like to show your support. Uh, you could also join us in the Choir Nation Facebook group as well and let us know how we're doing. So thank you very much, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Choir Ninja Show. Bang, bang.